Amen. Thank you all very much. I don't know how uh, you do that, Mindy, and play and sing at the same time. That's really impressive. <laughs> and dance. You are easily impressed. <laughs> well, that's, that's true, especially when it comes to music. Well, today, as Cedric said, we are... Uh, Talking about desires and regenerating desires, the, the, what, what is the, uh, what we long for, you know, what, what we love, what, what we worship. Not what we think necessarily, or even what we do, um, but the, the, really the step um, that it's really at the core of, of who we are, what we desire. Um, because there's all kinds of competing desires around us, com- competing um, forces that, that want our worship, that want, want our love. Um, it's uh, uh, the University of Virginia, the, uh, um, the psych department there, is, is do, does a lot of studies around why we do what we do. And, and they, their estimation is that really only about 5% of what we do, do we think about? That we really have cognitive decisions about? That 95% is sort of reaction, just response. You know, it's an autonomic, automatic response. It's, it's more about from our gut than from our, our head. Well, that's pretty high number. Even if they're off by a good bit, it's still significant that what we do um, it is, really flows from, it makes sense, what we long for, what we desire, what our, what our habits are. And, and we'll find, you find that, that what we long for, what we desire, what we, even what we love and, and really want um, relates to what we worship. Um, this was the uh, Digital Times uh, um, uh, academic um, uh, journal in May of 2011, I think it was. Yes, uh, Digital Trends, sorry, May 2011. And, and what they were, they were, were doing was, was trying to, to um, understand brand loyalty. And so they, they, they do you know, neurological scans of your, your brain to see you know, what, what, um, where your brain is active in different things about how you're loyal, what you desire, what you long for. And they were doing it around, um, this particular study was around Apple computers, you know, and iPads, iPhones, um, iPods, that kind of stuff. And they found that when, with someone who was uh, an Apple lover, that when they would bring Apple stuff before them, it would energize the same parts of the brain that are energized during times of religious worship. That they were the same place. So as to say that really our worship, our, our longing, our desires are always at play and there's always stuff around us competing for them. Now, no knock on Apple. I got an Apple laptop, and man, it's been working for like 10 years, so it's amazing stuff. Um, but we all have different places and things of this world that probably occupy brain space that is attributed to worship. We all have those things in our lives that are godlike for us, that take the place 
of God in our lives. And that's why talking about desires, being in tune with what are our desires, what are we really longing for, is really, it's very significant and important and why Paul starts there on this journey, on this regenerating journey of, of being um, regenerated uh, for the sake of, of Jesus. So we're in Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse um, 1. It's 9.57, or starting with verse 5, sorry. Um, 9.57 on your pew Bible. Um, let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, now we, we ask that you would um, speak to us. Um, we, we want you to be re- regenerating us. Um, we, we want our desire, our highest desire, our deepest longing to be for you. Uh, continue to, to work in us. Continue to change us. Continue to cha- transform us. Continue to regenerate us for what is good and right and eternal. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, so Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse uh, 5. Now, what, what's happened here um, is that Paul, in the, the first four verses we just talked about, is he's talking about our identity. We are with Christ. We are in Christ. And because we've, we've died to sin in Him, and now we've been raised to Him, we are with Him on the cross. We are with Him at the empty tomb. That is our identity. That is who we are forever. So now, let's live into that. So, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what, what Paul gets at here right at, at the beginning is this desire and, and how our call now is to, to put to death the desires for the things of the world that take the place of God. And, and, now, and he moves here. He moves. He, he starts with fornication. Well, that's more of an action. That's when we have sexual interaction um, in, in ways that God has not ordained for us between a man and a woman in a committed relationship called, that we call marriage. Anything outside of that is fornication. Then, then he moves into impurity and, and then on into deeper desires. Of our soul, from the most obvious then to the to the deeper, the, the more hidden um, desires, all the way then to uh, greed. So, so he gets at the, these deep desires, both of sex and money. Goes right right there and wants to speak specifically then, though, to what we long for there. And these, these desires are not bad in and of themselves. I mean, we all long for intimacy in relationships. We, we all need and long for the, the security and things that, that money can provide or the things of this world that provide for our basic needs. 
But what happens is those desires become our highest desires. They become what we long for. They take the place of God. Instead of God being God leading us into the desires that He's placed within us. And and you see that at the, the end of the verse where He says, Now greed, which is idolatry. See, these desires compete with God for our attention and for our actions, for our very lives. And we have to be aware of this competition that's going on in our heart, in our gut, in our soul. I mean, when, when greed wins out, I want what I want, whether God wants me to have it or not. You know, when, when greed wins out, when, when lust wins out, then I'm going to go get what I want, whether God helps me or not. You know, I become God because I know what I want and what is best, even in my delusion. Now, that's understandable before anyone is in Jesus. That's understandable in the world that is around us. And it's understandable when we are in Jesus. But we are now on a journey of recognizing those desires and habits and saying, we've got to put those to death so that we might desire Jesus. Well, we've just been singing about it all morning. We might desire Christ and Christ alone. We might desire Him. And then all the other desires fall into place as He is our highest desire. You know, it's like I uh, shared with you a couple of weeks ago. You know, it was a little, a little less than uh, 30 years ago that I was in a, a church building and I came into the church building single and I left married. You know, so my identity changed in that moment before God, before the state, before all that were gathered. But my habits didn't. Yeah, I, when we left, I had a, a lot of things that were good, were fine when I was single that were wrong when I was married. Simple examples like you know putting the toilet seat down. But there are a whole bunch of other things as well that needed to be, in a sense, put to death because my identity had changed. Well, now that I, we are in Jesus then what Paul says to us, we've got to be looking at the desires, the passions within us. Are they in alignment with the way of God? Are they in alignment with the ways of the earth? What is above or what is around? And again, it's not that those desires in and of themselves are evil. It's it's like this. It's like fire. You know, fire is a really good element of creation. And it helps us. It cooks our food so that we don't die of food poisoning. It it keeps our homes warm. And during cold times, fire is very good with a number of other things that it does. But when fire is outside of its appropriate boundaries, then it is destructive. And so are our desires when they're left unchecked. When they are under my lordship instead of under God's. So that Paul is, is, is speaking to us and speaking to us of these deep, deep longings and desires within us. Because the, your God, my God, is what I long for. Regardless of what we say and regardless of where I'm standing and regardless of what I might be holding, my my God is what I love. 
It's what I desire. And so is yours. Your God is what you love. It's, it's what you long for. It's what you desire. And our journey together as a church is to help, encourage, support, challenge one another so that what we are longing for and desiring more and more is the way of Jesus. And not the way of Drew or the way of you. That's why it can be dangerous to follow your passion. You know, when uh, my, my wife corrected me on this, and you know what? You were right, honey. Because I asked her, you know, so now, you know, what's your passion? She says, be quiet. Yeah? And it turns out she's right. You know, because, you know, just following my passion is really dangerous. Where did my passion come from? You know, what did, am I putting that passion through God's passion, through God's filter, or am I seeking God? Am I seeking God's passion over my passion? Just because it's a, it's a natural feeling that's within us doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. I mean, i got news for you. For me, my natural passion is to have sex with every woman that I'm attracted to. That's not of God. That's wrong. And praise God that God's passion corrects and redeems and aligns when I'm in Him. My passion, natural desire. Now, what, what we want is those, those desires, like Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of God. I'm not, I can't let my passion be my pleasure or my comfort or, or my, my peace or my fame or my acclamation or, or, or um, my accomplishment. That can't be my passion. That can't be our passion. But we want to hunger and thirst for God's passion, for God's righteousness, for God's fame, for God's affirmation. That's... But we, we want to be transformed. We want to be on this regenerating journey of transforming our desires to be in alignment with God's desires or, and to desire Him. And that's, that's why, brothers and sisters, we gather and worship together. Why we gather and study the Word together. It's why we gather together and pray. That's why we gather together simply in, in fellowship and spiritual conversations and ministry of discipleship and mentoring. That in all of those ways, what we are doing in the big picture of things is reorienting our desires so that we, we long and we encourage and support one another to long for Jesus above and beyond all else. Now, the, the, the second verse then, then tells us you know, that, that it, this is what brings God's wrath, he says. It's on account of these, on account of uh, what was just mentioned before, on the account of fornication and impurity and passion, evil desire and greed, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. I mean, now, we don't talk about the wrath of God very much, and many of you may already be, well, you're probably already squirming, um, but that may even cause more squirming. Um, I mean, I realize, you know, the pastor said he lusts. That, that's what makes people squirm. But here, here, you know, God's wrath, we don't really talk about that very much. Um, 
But what that is, is is God's direct opposition to evil, to wrong, to what is destructive, to what leads to death. That's that's what God's wrath is. And and so, you know, we see wrath. It's like there's emotion in there. There's real energy in there. Well, there is. Because God desires what is life-giving. He desires what is good and righteous. So when He opposes what is evil, it is filled with energy. Because He wants what is best and right and life-giving for us. I mean, it's like, you know, you probably had this happen to you or you've done this before, but I remember... It's a long time ago when Clara, my middle child, was riding a bicycle, you know, on the street in the driveway, and she was headed down the driveway. A car was coming, and I'm seeing it. She's oblivious to it all. And what do I do? Clara, stop! You know, she throws on the brakes, and she looks at me with this horrified look on her face, like, why are you yelling at me, Daddy? You know, what's going on? What's wrong? And I'm like, she received it in fear and trepidation. But in her own little ignorance and unawareness of what's going on, she stopped and she didn't hit the car. Or the car didn't hit her. And I, I think for us, as in our own ignorance and unawareness, riding our own little bicycles, that's God's wrath. Where He yells, we, we receive it as yelling and we receive the emotion, we receive the energy of what He's opposing. But what He's doing is saying, stop, because you're headed for destruction. Because God's character is what is eternal. What is in God is what is eternal. And there is nothing, nothing that is of evil, there is nothing that, that is wrong, that is unrighteous, that will ever last in the presence of God. Matter of fact, instantaneously it's vaporized. So so God doesn't give us guidance and direction to kill joy. He he does it so that we might live joy. So what these evil passions, greed, they're they're destroyed in God's righteousness and his goodness. They're not going to be in the new heaven and the new earth. I mean, there's, there's no lasting impact for good from the, the, these, the, the evil desires and passions that he mentions here and, and a whole host of, of others. And, you know, and we see that in our own real lives. We see it in our lives now. We see the law of diminishing returns. I mean, you see that in, in sexuality. Particularly, one, one pointed way that we see that today is the rise in the ubiquitous nature of pornography whether it's soft porn or hard porn, in the ways that, that we will use the objectification of other people's bodies for our own pleasure, but without any kind of relationship. And, and that, that then separates the very purpose that God created sex and that pleasure from its very... It separates it from its very purpose. And so then, that pornography is all about using another person for my own pleasure. Well, that's just the very opposite of what true love is, where we give ourselves to others for their pleasure. And that's, that's, that's the way of Jesus. Right? So anyway, but por- pornography, we see, it is the law of diminishing returns. You know? It leads to more and more, and it never satisfies because its, its desires run amok without the one who's given us the desire and given us the guidance as how to live into it. And we see the same thing with money, right? That, you know, 
I don't know how many times we've, we've uh, shared this with you, but you know, surveys continue to show it's, you're worse off winning the lottery than, uh, than losing it. Because when folks, more folks who've, lo- who've won the lottery say they wish they'd never won it, their lives were better off before they had a dump of money. Uh, it was just better for them. I mean, and you hear all kinds of stories of suicide, family destruction. Um, uh, folks end up bankrupt. Higher percentage of people than the redder population win the lottery end up going bankrupt. I don't know. You talk to some economists about how that works. But that's what happens. I mean, again, that's the, the law of diminishing returns when we make the creation our God instead of the Creator. So, so again, so this is God's wrath, but it's, it's God's wrath in order to, to say, this is destroying you. Stop. Bring, bring your desires in a line with, with me and what you've been created to do and what is eternal, not what leads to destruction. And then finally, Paul says, now these are the old ways that you used to live. These are the old ways of your life. You don't live into them anymore. Important to to recognize that, that when we come to Jesus, when we are following Jesus, it is a whole life investment. It includes our heart. It includes our desires. We, we come to Him now full speed with all that we are, and it means change. It means change of the deepest kind. Change even of our deepest desires. And, and, and we don't expect the ways of the world or society around us to, to share with those same desires. It, it, there's going to be times in our existence in the world around us that we're swimming upstream. We're swimming in the opposite direction. There's also, that means there's going to be things that we change, things that we stop doing because we know what we're doing is feeding the selfish desires of this world instead of feeding the desire of walking and loving and pursuing Christ and pursuing what is good and pursuing what is loving. There's things that we change. There's things that we need to think about. You know, what are the competing desires when we're out there, wherever it might be, at the workplace, in the classroom, on the radio, on the TV, on the podcast, whatever it might be, just in our our friends and in our community, there are competing desires. So now, we we now, because that was the old way, this is the new way. Okay, Jesus, how how do we engage with the world that's around us today? That becomes part of our journey together. Because we are influenced by everything that goes around us. I, mean, I shared this last week with you about the children eating food. And they get two plates of food, and it's the same food. It's from exactly the same place. And they give them two plates. They're the same. And then they, they eat them. The children always, they always pick the food that's on plate B because the food on plate B is wrapped in McDonald's wrapping. That's the same food. But everybody that does it, they will say, this food tastes better. That's the influence of the powers that are around us. And let us not think that those things don't form all of us, from the youngest to the oldest. 
That's the, the power of the influences that are around. So we have to then be attuned to those influences that form not just what we think, but they form our desires. That's what marketing is about. I mean, that's why at the beginning, you know, whether it's Apple, computer, or Jesus, it's in the same part of the brain. Now, the other, the other thing with this, that, 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 that that's what it means then to be a community that helps one another discern that and, and to sometimes, when necessary, to, to walk against the flow. But a flow that we believe is what leads to life because it comes from the one who creates life and the one who is love. But when we're in the world around us, and they, they may not have the same desires and the same commitments. We don't expect them to. But our calling is to follow Jesus then. And remember what Jesus did with the world. He didn't judge the world. He didn't despise it. He loved it. And we're His representatives of that. That's our call. So just, just recognize on this journey of regenerating. This is not one where, therefore, we're, we take the higher moral ground of superiority. No, we take the way of Jesus, which is a way of service and love and compassion. Just like Jesus did. So on this, this regenerating journey, we're, we're about helping one another putting to death those desires that have been formed in us because of our own sin, because the devil wraps things up in McDonald's wrapping and wants to tell us this is the way to go and we buy into it for a season. Or, or because it's, it's just the, the ways of the world that have overwhelmed us and, un, un, uh, and we're, we've just bought in. We're on this journey of, of putting to death those desires as a community Jesus followers. That's what the the church is about. So that then we can desire, develop that desire, regenerate our very heart by His power so that we love Him, desire Him, long for Him. Even more than the the newest 17-inch MacBook Pro. Now this, this journey is not a quick solution here. It's not something that just happens overnight. This is a journey of discipleship. This is a journey of following after Jesus together. I mean, think about the folks that followed after Jesus. Man, they had graduate school, the best, number one school of discipleship. They were hanging out with Jesus himself face to face. You know, they were baiting hooks and catching fish and sharing the good news with him face to face for three solid years, and they still didn't get it. And then even after he rose from the dead and, and he ascended into to heaven and the, the Spirit came, they still had their troubles along the way. So we're, it's a, it is a journey of regenerating, a journey where we practice with one another. We practice ways of love and allegiance and longing and desiring God together. Again, it's not just information, but it's community, it's relationships that worship together, that study together, that pray together, that that share life with one another. A regenerating journey, even of our desires.
Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we, we lift up um, ourselves to you. We, we give you our, our, our hearts, our soul, our very desires, our very longings. We, we want them to be in alignment with you because we know that you are life, you are love, you are what is beautiful. And, and we know that we are weak and feeble and, and influenced by so many other things uh, around us. Show us, Lord, reveal to us where, where are ways that we individually and we as a community, ways we feed the desires for the things of the world instead of our desires for you. Show us how we, we feed those, those desires that, that have gone um, uh, offline, that have run amok. Show us that, and, and, and with one another and with your power to, to stop, to put those to death. And, and show us, Lord, lead us into the ways of, of practices of, of developing and growing the, the desires for you and, and for your righteousness, your, your goodness for the ways of your love. Free us, Lord. Feed us in that direction. Show us, Lord, how to, to feed our desires in, in that way uh, for you. For, for we, we know it's, it's what is good and what is right. It's what's, what we need and, and what the world needs. Speak to us. Dear Lord. And, and Almighty God, we, we lift up one another uh, to you. We, um, whatever the, the needs, whatever the desires, whatever the, the concerns, Lord, we, we lift them before you. And we, we take this time bearing one another's burdens. We pray particularly for, for um, uh, the Robinson family, for Joe Robinson and, and family and the um, death of Pat. Um, Lord, we, we pray your peace, your comfort, and the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. We pray for, for Mark and Jen Fay, um, Lord, and, and family, We and the, Mar- the death of Mark's mom, Linda Pritchett, and for the rest of the family. Lord, we pray again for your peace, your comfort, for that sure and certain hope of the resurrection to be theirs. And other needs and concerns, Lord, we, you, you hear our cries, we, we lay our burdens um, before you. Thank you that you hear. Thank you that you you respond. Now, God, we come before you in, in one voice, seeking to be um, your church, seeking to be formed by, by your spirit and led by, by your power and in your, your ways to be your people at this time in this, this place. Hear us. Our prayer before you. Let these not just be words we say, but continue uh, to be cries of you f- and uh, of our heart, in ways that you form us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus, no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus.
Amen.